BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello to my favorite people in the world, the Balance Blonde listeners. I feel like it's time to create a new intro to this show. I also feel like I've been saying the same thing for 200, not 200, how many episodes have there been? 129-ish episodes. I want to welcome it different every time. So that's something that I'm working on now. Thank you guys for being here. Soul on Fire show. I was inspired to record a solo episode today. I'm finishing up some work today before I head out for my next water fast at True North in Northern California. So by the time you guys hear this, I will actually have been there for a week or two weeks, probably two weeks. So I'll be two weeks deep into my water fast and I would love any and all love from you guys. So if you want to send me an email, um, rate and review the podcast and send me a screenshot to my email, I'll send you my Soul on Fire yoga ebook. Or if you just want to say hi, do that. And uh, you can keep me company as I lay in bed, water fasting. And this is something I'm doing for my health recovering from Lyme disease, definitely not something I would recommend doing at home or unsupervised or for no apparent reason. It's definitely for deep healing. And I'm going to do a whole solo episode on it when I finish the water fast and let you guys know how it's gone for me. Yeah, it's an interesting time. It's a time where I feel like I'm healing so deeply and I'm starting to feel energy again and I've had some really positive test results with my Lyme doctor before I left for the water fast where I learned that some of my Lyme indicators are going down and I do have the co-infection Babesia, which is going up, but that's okay because I'm killing the Lyme. I've been at it for like nine months now and the fruits of my labor are paying off. Lime is dying in my body. I have more energy and my hormones are balancing out. My vitamins and minerals are balancing out and it just feels really good. So it was a good time for me to go back and do another water fast. So if that's something that you want to learn more about, you can head to my blog, thebalancedblonde.com and type in water fasting and you'll read about my first experience. And I'm sure by now, I'll be blogging about my second experience as well. So check that out. And 
This solo episode that I'm very inspired to do on a whim today is all about abundance and money and worth and value and attracting what we deserve and building a business that becomes lucrative and successful so that we can take care of ourselves and not have to rely on anyone else to take care of us or rely on side hustles when it's when there's something else that has our heart that we want to be doing. So I am not an expert in this subject. I'll be the first to say, but I just want to share with you my journey, which is really all I can do ever about anything, because I think it's really, really helpful to hear other people's journeys when you're going through something. And if you're working on building a business and trying to hit that next level where you're doing what it is that your soul wants to be creating and bringing into the world and birthing into the world, but you feel like there's something missing, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'll tell you my journey, and I hope that it inspires you and encourages you to think about your own. The reason that I became so inspired to speak about this on a whim today is because I am going to be creating something really exciting in the near future for you guys. It's going to be a manifestation course and all about listening to our intuition so that we can create what it is our souls want to bring into the world and tap into our intuition so that we can just trust ourselves and basically live from this intuitive soul on fire way of life that I believe in so deeply. But I also believe it's really, really hard to get to that point because a lot of us struggle with this feeling of just not believing in ourselves or thinking our idea is silly or thinking, "Eh, I could always just do this in the future. And no, the time is now. You don't have to wait. So I want to share my journey with you. And if you're interested in getting on the list for learning about when this course comes to life, which I'm working on a lot at the moment, and I'm very excited about it, um, send an email to jane at thebalancedblonde.com and she'll put you on our master list. So you'll be among the first to find out about this course when it launches. So Before we dive into this episode fully, I would like to thank our sponsor for the show, Hum Nutrition. So Hum Nutrition has been one of my greatest sponsors since day one, even before I had a podcast, honestly. So that should tell you something about how much I love this brand. I've been using them for years, probably coming up on four years now. They are a line of beauty supplements that you can actually even find at Sephora now, which is crazy exciting, but you can also find them on humnutrition.com and use the code SOUL, that's S-O-U-L, for 20% off and that will get you a nice discount and you can try some of my favorite products like the Daily Cleanse, which I take every day when I'm not water fasting for my liver, cleanses the liver, cleanses the colon. Really good if you're trying to detox from something specific or just detox from living in a crazy imbalanced environment, which we all do. So Hum Nutrition is completely premium quality, recommended by leading nutritionists, clinically proven, non-GMO, gluten-free, sustainably sourced, and pure and potent. And they have a huge range of supplements that you guys can choose from. 
everything from omegas to vitamin D to vitamin B to detoxing herbs, like I said. And they also have raw beauty powders and lots of other amazing things. I'm really excited right now because I'm actually looking at their website and you guys are just catching this at a spontaneous moment. But I'm seeing that one of their nutritionists, and I haven't actually seen her photo on here before, is someone named Sarah Greenfield, who I know she was the nutritionist when I did the Nutribullet Marathon team three years ago. So when I ran the LA Marathon, which was by far probably the most badass thing I've ever done, Sarah was the nutritionist. And I'm just freaking out because I haven't actually seen her on Hum's website before. Really cool. So Wow. Proud of her. So you can talk to leading nutritionists on Hum Nutrition's website. So if you're not sure what you want to take supplement-wise, they can help you out. And I just love this really user-friendly service that they have. I also really like their red carpet, which sounds kind of different than it is. It's their number one seller in Sephora. It's for glowy skin and shiny or hair, which you'll notice in six weeks. And I've definitely noticed. So that's just one of many products that you'll fall in love with at Hum Nutrition's site. So use the code SOUL, S-O-U-L at checkout to get 20% off. Send me a picture on Instagram if you're popping the Hum supplements so we can geek out over it together. And now let's just dive straight into this episode all about my journey with money and abundance and manifesting this entrepreneurial lifestyle into my life. I guess we should probably back up all the way to when I was a child because I think when it comes to growing up and watching our parents and watching adults around us, we soak in as children what we see as normal and what we take in as what we can create someday and what's possible for us. And really that's when our little brains are soaking everything in like a sponge. So I grew up with my parents and my older siblings and my nanny surrounding me. And I didn't really know this because I was so young, but both of my parents were total entrepreneurs. My dad, if you listen to his episode, just, I don't know, two months ago on this podcast, we talk about his entrepreneurial journey and how he was able to build an incredibly successful building business in Sacramento without going to college and hardly finishing high school and having a child, his first child right out of high school. He was a total entrepreneur mind, self-educated and built something from the ground up. And like I said, I was too young to know this, but it's the vibe and the energy that you soak in when you're around an entrepreneurial spirit. So that was my dad. He was hard at work all the time. Work was his go-to and the top thing in his life. I mean, his family was his top priority, but my dad was always working and that's just the way that I knew him. And then my mom, I really didn't know this because I was so young, but before I was born, my mom had a clothing store called Flirt and it was one of the most 
well-known stores in Sacramento. So I've been told everyone would shop there. Very trendy. Of course, if you've seen my mom on Instagram now, Judy Martinis and Skinny Jeans, she's still super trendy. She went on to be a personal shopper and somewhat of a stylist for many people in her life, including me. She's my forever stylist. So my mom started her clothing store flirt when she was 23 years old which is so young. That's five years younger than I am right now. And I still feel so young, like I'm still figuring it all out. And then she had me when she was 36. So think about that, 13 years of flirt and maybe 14 years of flirt because she did keep the store until I was about one, one and a half. And then she just couldn't bear to leave me at home while she went to work. And she had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, She also had help from my nanny and she closed down flirt mostly because she couldn't imagine selling it and having someone else run it, which I have so much respect for. So even when I was like, a one and a half year old baby, I had these entrepreneurial spirits surrounding me, my mom and my dad. And it was a really beautiful thing because somehow on some very deep subconscious level, I was being programmed to believe that whatever it is I wanted to achieve, I could do it. I could bring it into the world. And I'm talking like deep subconscious because Nobody was telling me this. We weren't having these conversations. I obviously was so young and wasn't thinking at all about what I was going to do when I was older. So this was all just a mere thought in my subconscious state. So fast forward to going to school. I went to Sacramento Country Day School, which is a very tiny liberal arts school pre-K through 12th. I went there for 14 years and I was a lifer. And at Country Day, they really focused on the arts and theater and writing and whatever it was that a kid was passionate about. So if a child was passionate about math or science, like obviously they'd be encouraged in that direction. I was always interested in writing and drawing and acting. So That was the path that I took. Starting from first grade, I was writing stories that were like 99 pages long and drawing these elaborate people to go along with them. And I was always really encouraged by my teachers and my parents to pursue writing. And I was always told, you can be an author one day, you can be an author now. Like, do what it is that you love and you have a gift for this. So I feel very blessed that from a young age, I was, I was exposed to what my own personal gifts were and those gifts made me happy. I really enjoyed them, but I really didn't think much far outside of that box. I knew that I loved writing and I told people when I grew up, I want to be an actress or an author. And interestingly enough, I would tell my mom and my dad When I grow up, I'm going to be really well known in my field. I'm going to be famous, quote unquote, but I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be this job that's like, I can't even see it yet because I just can't even describe it. And it's really interesting because I think my soul was tapping into blogging and 
blogging obviously wasn't a career yet. The internet was just getting started. I was born in 1990. And I knew though that I was going to go places and people were going to recognize me. And that to this day is something that I think is so beautiful about this internet world because everybody is well-known and famous, quote unquote, in some ways, because people who you don't know recognize you from social media. Even if you're not a blogger, that's just kind of how it is in our modern world. So I felt that really deeply. So Anyways, fast forward again, because this really is not a story about my childhood or not meant to be. In college, I would say to my friends, like my best friend, Jillian, I would consistently say to her, I'm not ever going to sit in an office. I don't want to have an office job. I feel like a nine to five job would kill my soul and I don't want to work in an office. At the time, I was interning at LA Yoga Magazine and it was an office job, but not not really because I was like one of two employees and I could go to work in my pajamas and I could work alone most of the time because Felicia, the editor, would be off doing a story or going to events. I would go to a lot of events for her and a lot of those events were yoga events. So I felt like, God, this is the life. This is what I want. I don't want to just sit at a desk all day ever. But Jillian and some of my other friends would be like, and Jillian has told me this more recently in our lives, just like, (laughs) okay, Jordan, you're in for a rude awakening. Like we're going to graduate college soon. You're going to have to get a job and you're going to see what it's like out there in the real world. So I was pretty confident. I also didn't know what the heck I was talking about, but I did have that inner confidence. And I had a really good time interning at LA Yoga. I also had a few jobs in college. I worked at a PR firm in Sacramento and I learned literally within one day that PR was not for me. It was not as exciting as it sounded to me. And that was a true nine to five where I had to commute from my house in Sacramento all the way to Roseville. And it was like 45 minutes. And my parents were like, look, you made this commitment. You're going to keep doing it. So that's what I did. And didn't enjoy it. And that's probably why I started telling Jillian, I don't want to have a nine to five. This is so not not me. This is not what excites me. And I'll be the first to say, I was very naive. I was told, you know, as I mentioned my whole life, you can do whatever it is that your soul wants to create and birth into this world and you will be successful. And so I was naive because I I had never I had never been in a situation where I had really been through it when it comes to money or when it comes to work. And I had definitely been through it when it comes to personal life and trauma and emotional trials. And if you're interested in that, you can listen to my solo episode on trauma. I want to say it's episode 31 or 32. That was a hard time in my life. And I'll mention it now just because it shaped me so deeply and it really pushed me on the path of creativity and writing and acting because I felt like I had a story to tell and I had so much emotion inside that I needed to have a creative outlet for, which is why I think creativity became for me less of a hobby and more of a life force. Like I couldn't 
breathe if I wasn't being creatively stimulated. I couldn't function if I wasn't writing and sharing. And this started from like the age of 15 when I almost lost the love of my life, Tommy, my first boyfriend, to suicide and drugs and addiction. It was very hard. And to this day remains a really traumatic thing in my life that I'm still working on. And I mean, just to give you an idea, yesterday I cried about it like guttural sobs because certain things in our lives just impact us. I heard something really beautiful actually in this book I'm reading. It's called The Dreamers. It's a fiction book. And the writer wrote so beautifully about some things happen to us in our lives and time stands still and we literally never digest what happens to us while time is standing still because it's so big, such a life rocking, life altering thing that happens that there is no such thing as digesting it. It just exists in our memory and is wired into our bodies and our consciousness and our subconscious. And I feel like that first time that Tommy tried to commit suicide and I almost lost him was one of those times for me where now, like 13 years later, I have not digested it. Um, I've worked through it in a lot of ways, but it will still give me chills and it still, it defines everything I do. It's at the backbone of everything I do and everything I create. So as this story progresses and you'll see how this creativity inside of me just had to manifest and come spilling out of me and come cascading into the world in one way or another, you'll see that that comes from a place of what I've been through. And not just that, I'll get to what else I've been through. But when we've been through something, no longer is it an option to share or not to share. It's like, it's our lifeblood and it's our mission. And like, I have to share or else I can't keep going. So that for me in college looked like writing. And that's why I would write, I wrote a play. I wrote a full length play. I wrote like just story after story. I was a journalism minor and a fiction major. So I I just wrote like thousands of pages in college about everything that I felt and just put those feelings to paper. Then I went to grad school in New York at the new school in the West Village. And that was a huge time of growth for me, a really beautiful time where I learned what it was like to live far from family and friends and any type of comfort whatsoever. Um, lived in a little shoebox apartment with my best friend, Katie. And that's when I started my blog. So right out of college, I truly feel like everything shitty that happens to us happens to escalate us into where we're meant to be going. So as Lacey Phillips, my manifestation advisor and dear friend would say, rock bottoms are the best thing that could ever happen to us. And when I was in college, I had a huge rock bottom where I had studied abroad in Florence. And when I came back to college, LMU, I realized I wasn't really happy there anymore. And 
my soul felt really disconnected from the life I was living where I was still, I was in a sorority and my social life revolved around partying and social, being social and just all of those things where my soul wanted to teach yoga and go on these spiritual journeys and write and dive deeper. So I was really at a disconnect at that point in my life with what my soul's purpose was and the life I was living. So I started dating this guy. I will not name him, but I've probably named him before. So you can probably figure it out. I met him when I was studying abroad, but he did go to my college and I kind of just poured my everything into him and convinced myself like this is this relationship is what I need right now. This is what will save me from these dark feelings that I'm having of not really being happy in school anymore and just really desperately wanting to graduate and live a different kind of life. I put so much into that relationship and I kind of turned a blind eye to the fact that this boyfriend of mine was definitely a functioning alcoholic and nobody liked him. None of my friends liked him. Probably zero people in my life liked him, but people tried. And I definitely had much more perspective afterwards. But long story short, he cheated on me very publicly at my sorority formal and 50 people that I know watched it happen. I didn't see it happen, but I was obviously quickly informed. The next day he came over to talk about it. He was very unremorseful and still drunk and told me that he was happy that he had cheated on me. And this is someone who I was considering moving to London with after we graduated. So this just like flipped my world upside down and It was a huge rock bottom. It was so hard. And it was also the best thing that ever happened to me in many ways because it reconnected me with my friends, my friends who were not all that crazy about him. And I just got to pour all of my energy into them and into myself. It's when I went vegan because I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this plant-based cleanse to take care of myself and just put myself first for once and not think about him. And from there, I started a vegan blog right at the end of college. And that brings me to where I was going in my story, moving to New York. I started my blog, The Blonde Vegan, and had been told by my parents and other people in my life, like, you know, you're going to grad school at the new school. That's going to be your focus. That's what you're doing with your life after school. And this blog is going to be a hobby and let's hope it doesn't take up all your time. That's basically exactly what my dad had told me. And he wasn't trying to be unsupportive. It was just like, he didn't know what a blog was. And the blogging world was very new. Nobody was doing it as a career yet whatsoever. So I moved to New York, was doing my blog. And of course, when I started school, the blog was not a part-time hobby. It was a full-time thing. And I was so much more putting my passion and energy into my blog than I was into my schoolwork. And that was okay. Like I was skating by in school and it was all fine. I had to figure this all out on my own. I had a great web developer, Morgan, who I'm still friends with. And he had told me, like with the readership that you have on your blog, you could 
totally start making money off of ads. So we put some ads on my site. I was making really minimal money because like the CPM, whatever, clicking on ads was making me like a few dollars here and there. It was nothing crazy. But I did have a few brands reaching out to me and I started doing some partnerships with healthy food brands like Vega Protein. And still, I couldn't believe I was getting this stuff for free, let alone charging them. I remember charging like $20 for a huge blog write-up and giveaway and $40. And then if people were sending me clothing, I was like, oh no, please don't pay me on top of sending me clothing. I'm just so grateful to be receiving these clothes. And that was a good place to be at that time because my blog was purely a hobby, purely for fun. I wasn't looking to make money off of it. And I truly believe that if I was trying to make money off of the blog at that time, I wouldn't have been in it with the right intentions and it wouldn't have gotten to the place where it is now. So that brings me to something that really inspired me that I saw the other day. My friend Lauren Everts of The Skinny Confidential, she posted something on Instagram that I'm going to pull up right now. And it was an Instagram caption that basically said she gets like thousands of DMs and comments from people about how to monetize their blog after five weeks or 3.3 months or one year of creating content. And she says, stop trying to monetize because when she first started blogging, she didn't make a dime for three years. And she did it because of the passion and the hustle. And she had a side hustle and multiple side hustles and all of these great things. So that very much resonates with my story where I had been blogging for close to a year making, you know, like 20 bucks here, 40 bucks there, which was exciting, but I wasn't I wasn't looking to make money. I also had no concept of what it took to make enough money to pay rent, live on my own, etc. cuz I was in school and I was fortunate to be being taken care of by my parents at that time. So I was naive, didn't know anything. The first thing about like, what should I be charging if I am going to start working with brands? What should I be charging if I was ever thinking about doing this for a career? So this might be an unpopular opinion, but I feel like my naivety was a blessing because I had no fear, no fear at all. So by the time I decided to blog full-time and leave grad school, even though I barely had a cent to my name, I was fearless because I felt like, I mean, how can I fail if I have no concept of what failure is? Nothing's going to be a failure to me because even if I don't make one single cent off of this blog and I get a side job or two side jobs or three side jobs, that's not a failure to me because it's a win and it's a success if I'm following my heart and doing what I'm passionate about. And this blog was clearly what I was passionate about. So that brings me to my big uh, catalyst, another rock bottom that I feel like was my biggest blessing, even though it was the hardest thing I've ever been through in some ways harder than even what I went through with Tommy or any other rock bottom that I had had. So I was living in New York and it was February, totally freezing. 
um, going to grad school, doing my blog on the side, but totally full-time because that's how much energy I was putting into it. And one morning I woke up and I had a text from my mom and the, the text said, call me when you wake up, which was concerning because I was living on the East Coast. My family was living on the West Coast. And it was very rare that she would text me before I woke up in the morning on the East Coast when it's so much earlier in California. So I was nervous didn't really know what was going to be happening. I called her and I could tell that something was very wrong. And to make a long story short, because I could do a whole podcast on this, she told me that my dad's business partner, this man, this awful con artist piece of shit, who I obviously knew because he was my dad's business partner in this venture that he was doing outside of his main company, Western Building, which he's talked about on the episode he was on. He was an investor, really large scale investor in a rubber glove medical supply company. And his partner was this man who I will not name, who had been scheming everyone for a decade, including my dad, who knew him so well. And this man had created so many different fraudulent documents and <sighs> right and left was a professional con artist running one of the hugest Ponzi schemes that has ever happened in Northern California. So I went from that morning waking up thinking that everything in my life was normal as normal to me as it had always been to learning that my dad and my my family essentially had been the victims of a massively large Ponzi scheme and that everything my dad had worked for for his entire life, starting when he was 19 and had a child and went to work for 50 years, was gone. And I mean, at the time, we didn't really know what was going on if like every cent was gone or what the deal was. So I was basically told that every cent is gone and our lifestyle is going to change drastically. And there's enough money set aside for me to finish grad school. But beyond that, I need to figure it out, which were not really the words that my mom used, but that's what was going on. So my parents wanted me to finish grad school. They had set the money aside, but beyond grad school, it was going to be up to me to fend for myself and take care of myself right away. And that was not something I had done up until that point and, or something I had even fathomed, not something that I was opposed to. And I always figured at one point in time, I would grow up and reach the age where that would be happening anyway. But to know that my parents were not in a secure place and even if I was in some sort of emergency, wouldn't be able to help me financially was a terrifying feeling. And I also just want to mention for the people out there who might be hearing my story and be judgmental or thinking, well, you know, poor you, you grew up with a lot and then it was taken away. I'm a hugely firm believer that everything is relative and 
what we are used to, that that is our reality. And that is our what that's what's real to us. So that's what was real to me. That's what I had known my whole life. I was 22, very young and very sheltered and had no idea what any life outside of that would look like. So I was terrified. I was very depressed, very depressed. Also just mostly depressed for my dad and my mom because my dad had dedicated his life to business and to work. And my dad is the most ethical man I've ever met, that I've ever laid eyes on, like ethical to a fault. He's been cheated on. He's been lied to. He's been manipulated. His first wife left him for my dad's business partner. And my dad would never dream of hurting, of, of cheating or lying or doing, or hurting anyone or doing anything illegal or anything of that kind. So for him, my heart shattered because I knew like this was a really, really, really scary time and everything he had worked for for his entire life. And he had just sold his business, Western Building. So like there was nothing to even fall back on. This was really scary. And this was the time in his life where he was supposed to be retiring. He's 70. I mean, now he's he's in his 70s and it just wasn't fair how it all happened. So that was a huge rock bottom for me and an absolutely huge catalyst to basically this realization that I, I was in grad school, paid for by my dad. And I was there because I felt like I could be and I didn't really know what else I'd be doing. And I had never given it a second thought as to what else could be done with that money that was putting me through grad school or did I need to be in grad school? My head was spinning with all these thoughts. So that day, literally that day in February, I decided I'm not going to continue grad school, which is something I had already been thinking about. But I also felt like, eh, whatever, I'm going to finish it out because I didn't really have any huge life force catalyst outside of myself questioning me not to until this happened. I don't feel comfortable continuing school with this money that has been set aside for me. If I feel like in this creative writing master's program, what I'm learning is something that I can actually do now and put into practice and do my blog and see if I can take care of myself that way. So it was like this huge burst of wanting to protect my dad and wanting to not live off of someone else's finances and wanting to make him proud and show him, you don't have to worry about me. I realized that I was raised a certain way and I was very sheltered and who knows what everyone in my family thought I was going to do. I know that they believed I was very capable, but they also knew that I was incredibly sheltered and taken care of. So. I had this opportunity, as I can see it now, to rise above that and to build something out of absolutely nothing. Basically rise from the ashes and rise from a very, very dark and terrified place. So this was a scary time. I remember going on a family trip that had been pre-planned, but we still took that trip with my parents and all my siblings. And I remember like my sister telling me, um, 
if you need help with your rent, we will help you. And like, you know, don't ask dad for this anymore. And like, we want the best for you and we will help you if need be. And it was just a scary time because I had never had to even think about things like that. And then here I was going through these huge decisions, deciding I'm going to leave grad school, which my parents were not very happy about. And I'm going to move back to LA because I'm not comfortable with how expensive New York City is. Rent and food and transportation and lifestyle. I mean, so expensive in New York. And all of a sudden I was realizing, no, I'm going to do things differently and I'm going to set my life up differently than I've been living it. And my circumstances have changed and I'm going to live according to my circumstances. And I also feel that if I'm going to be blogging full time, I would like to do so in a city like Los Los Angeles where it's sunny mostly year round. I can take photos. I can do outdoor things. I can blog about those things. I don't want to have a fitness and health blog if I'm living in the snow. Like eight months out of the year. So I had all these different thoughts. This was just a big time of transition. I moved back to LA and basically decided I'm going to do my blog full time for work. And I started taking some calls with managers, potential managers, because I knew I had to get some kind of standardized pricing. I had to make a media kit. I couldn't just continue working with brands in this one-off capacity of saying like, oh, I'll do it for $100. Oh, maybe I'll do it for $300. I wanted someone to help me regulate and help me realize my value and my worth. And I also knew from a deep-rooted place what I'm providing these brands through this platform on Instagram and on my blog um, is really valuable to them and is bringing them a lot of customers. And I want to be compensated for that value. So meanwhile, if you guys are familiar with my story, I also stopped being vegan during this time and got a ton of hate from the vegan community, was on tons of different news shows, Good Morning America, CNN, The Today Show, the list goes on and on. And this was like really a hard time as well, because although I was getting a lot of exposure, it wasn't really positive exposure. It was a very scary time of like people hating on me. And I was questioning what I what was going on. I was dealing with an eating disorder, which I was very public about. And I knew like my blog is a place where I'm supposed to be honest and share from my heart. And I still had this deep lifeblood type of life force desire to share with people. So my blog posts were not just like, here's the recipe, goodbye. It was like pouring my heart out. Even when I was writing about recipes, it was like, I made these cookies today because I am having a shitty day and going through a really hard time. And these cookies sounded like the only thing that might cheer me up. And I started developing a really close relationship with my readers and emailing back and forth with them. I have readers who have been with me since six years ago, and we've been talking on email ever since. And I started creating what I felt was a community, a really strong community. And I didn't really know of any other bloggers who were blogging for a career other than people like Kiara, the Blonde Salad, who's a huge fashion blogger in Europe, 
I saw other people who were my peers, like Lauren, the Skinny Confidential, Ella from Deliciously Ella, my friend Tara, who at the time was Skinny by Tara. Now she's the whole Tara. And other people who I knew in New York, like the girls from Saqqara Life who've been on this podcast, my friend Jamie, who had Ginger Snaps Organic, like Gabby Bernstein, of course. I saw people in the wellness world doing really exciting things, whether it was blogging or creating a business or creating like a healthy product line. And I just decided I'm going to build something. I'm going to build off of what I have. And this audience that I have is special and supportive. And for once in my life, like I'm surrounded by people who are interested in health just the way I am. So why not create things that we can all enjoy and get a lot of use out of? So I started my clothing line, TBV Apparel, which I did with my good friend Tynan, who's now my wedding photographer. We went to college together and he's been one of my best friends for a long time. We thought we would do just like a small batch run of t-shirts that had healthy sayings on them, like health junkie, yoga. I can't even remember. Yoga junkie, health is the new black. All of the sayings like rushed into my head during a yoga class at Moto in New York, which was just a really divine moment of like, I didn't yet know this because I didn't really know anything about this at the time, but I was totally channeling, channeling, just channeling like, oh, people need these shirts. People want these shirts. There's nothing out there like it. So we made those shirts. We thought we were going to do one batch. We ended up running the clothing line for three years and having thousands of customers and lots of different wholesale retailers and we were, we were able to share our clothes with people all over the world, which is really special. Um, I later realized I'm not a fashion designer, nor do I want to be. And we had interest from huge name people. We had interest from Tommy Hilfiger and other really large investors and retailers. And I had to make this make or break decision of do we want to pursue the clothing line, potentially change the name and make it something larger than a piece of the balanced blonde? Or do I want to keep it small and keep it under the balanced blonde's control, the balanced blonde website, and keep sending out t shirts out of our basement in Malibu? Or do I want to just close it down to pursue other things? So the long story short is that I eventually did close it down to pursue other things. But creating that line was my first taste of creating something that was making money and that I was selling to people and I could actually see people wearing it and wrapping it around. And it was very special. So at the same time, I was also creating cleanse programs on my site that I was selling for $25 per program that would lead people through kind of like a plant-based lifestyle transformation. It was exciting to sell those. And I just realized like, wow, I have this entrepreneurial mind, just like my dad, just like my mom. And who would have known? I was in grad school wanting to be an author of fiction, which is something that I'm still really passionate about. But who knows if I hadn't have hit that rock bottom, if my family hadn't have gone through such a tragic situation, which I still don't wish upon anyone. And I really still wish had never happened to my dad and my mom. If that had never happened to me and my 
placement in that whole situation, I would not be where I am now. I probably wouldn't be a business owner running my own brand. And I wouldn't have that drive to take care of myself that I now have that comes from a place of necessity. So I remember at that time when I was just starting to talk to managers on the phone and launching my clothing line, my dad had said to me, because I said, I feel like I should get a side job at Lululemon. Like the people who work there are so awesome. And there's all these people who are interested in wellness and fitness and I'm not making any money on my blog yet. So I feel like I should have a job somewhere. And my dad had said, and this is the best entrepreneurial advice that had ever been given to me. If you're trying to build something and you're serious about building your blog full time, it needs your whole energy. Otherwise, you might as well still be in grad school, but you left grad school to pursue something full time and put your whole heart into it. And if you're not going to put your whole heart into it, what are you even doing? And that really spoke to me really stuck out in my mind and still does because I do believe if I had gotten some kind of side hustle for my particular trajectory of my brand, it wouldn't have been the same. And that's not to say that if you're out there and you're listening and you do have a side job and you're trying to make your own brand or your own blog come to life that you won't be successful. That's totally not what I'm saying. I've seen people do it. I admire their work ethic. I've seen, I mean, I've referenced her three times now, but Lauren, the Skinny Confidential did that for so many years and her brand is epic and huge. And I'm so proud of what she's accomplished. But I also believe that we have to know our individual personalities. And this is something I'll be talking a lot about in the manifestation course that I'll be launching. We have to know our own individual personalities and our human design and our birth chart and honestly, just how we work as people. So when it comes to human design, I'm a reflector. Reflector, just like my dad, in fact, reflectors are, we have to, we can get so easily distracted. We're 1% of the population. We don't have our own energy generator inside of us. We don't have something that propels us to keep us focused and going in one direction. So if I was blogging and I'm just talking about me, I'm not, I'm definitely not talking about anyone else. If I was just blogging away, but I got this side job at Lululemon or Alfred coffee, and I met all these people and all these new friends and they were like, oh yeah, I want to be a yoga instructor at Yoga Work. So I want to teach it or I want to be an Orange Theory coach because I'm a reflector. I'd be like, oh my God, I love what you're doing. I'm really inspired by you. I'll do that with you. Like I'll do the yoga teacher training with you. Oh, I'll become an Orange Theory coach with you or like Lord knows what else would have happened because I know myself and I also know that it's like that having a podcast that everyone I meet, I get so inspired by what they do. So what I'm saying here is because I know my own personal personality, I get very distracted and I don't really have that inner compass that keeps me super focused on one thing. So I have to make that focus myself. So I kind of created that focus for myself by blogging and only blogging even when I wasn't making any money and I was selling my cleanse program and we were making the clothing, but the clothing was not lucrative. Like 
we had so much overhead with the clothing and we were making a profit, but there were three of us and, and it was, that was more of a passion project. And what I was looking to do to make money was working with brands. So I did sign with a management team, which at the time was definitely the right move for me. They helped me create a media kit where I standardized my prices and knew my value and started working with brands who really respected me and I respected them. And it was a really good place to be. If I had also been doing other things, I think I would have gotten sidetracked from my end goal, which was to create a lucrative business out of my own brand. So I was building something. I had changed the name from the Blonde Vegan to the Balanced Blonde. I was very proud of it. And I was obsessed with it. Like I put my brand before everything. And I've learned a lot since then. I put my brand before my own health, before my friendships, before everything. And at the time, you know, maybe that's what it needed. And I'm glad that I did it the way that I did. But I'm also glad that I've learned what I have learned and that I now have a lot more going on in my life than just work. But at the time, that's what it called for to create a brand in this wellness world. And people talk about the industry, the blogging industry, and every single time they do, it makes me cringe because... (laughs) When I started, there was no industry. There was no blogging industry. There were people who were blogging because they loved it and it was a hobby. And I was obsessed with those people like Julia Engel, Gal Meets Glam, these fashion bloggers who have been doing it for a long time. Jerry Hirsch, who's been on this podcast, who's been blogging since 2004. But there was no blogging industry. And when people now talk about breaking into the blogging industry, I recognize that it's become an industry, but I do think the first problem with quote unquote breaking into the industry of blogging is that you're trying to break into the industry of blogging. Because I think if you're starting a blog for any reason other than because you are so deeply passionate and obsessed with your subject, then your blog probably will not make it. And that's just my honest advice. And I try to give as much honest advice as possible to you guys and to everyone who comes here to this podcast, because I'll go speak on a panel of bloggers and a lot of people in the audience will ask us, well, how do I break into the industry? Don't I need a niche? And I usually try to give my honest opinion, which is you don't need to break into the industry. The beautiful thing about blogging is that there are no two people who are the same. Every single person has such an individual gift to share with the world. Every podcast has such an individual gift to share with the world. So I'm not concerned what other podcasters are talking about, what other bloggers are blogging about. I'm not concerned with what other people's Instagram feeds look like, or if my Instagram is niche enough, or if it's too niche. I'm not concerned with any of that because that's not why I blog. I blog because I'm so passionately obsessed with a few things, with health and wellness and spirituality and community and writing and sharing all of that with you guys through the writing and the photos and honestly, just creating, cultivating this community. So what my feed looks like, 
if I'm niche enough, those things don't really cross my mind. And if you want to be niche because you see that being a blogger has become a very popular thing over the last few years, then I'm supportive of that. Find your niche, but make sure that you love it. Make sure that you're passionate about it and make sure that it fulfills you and that you're not just doing it because you feel like you have to have a niche. Because I truly believe anyone who is meant to be following you will find you. And even if your audience is small at first, it will grow. And even if it remains small, like they will be loyal AF and you can create so many beautiful things and offerings with them and serve the community in the way that you are most meant to be doing. So I know I talked a lot about my journey and now I do want to talk about the abundance and money and financial aspect of all of it. Before I do, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Ned. I love that you guys have been loving Ned. I've been so obsessed with it. And so is Jonathan actually. And it's really fun. And now that I'm water fasting, I know that I'll be really missing it while I'm gone. So Ned is a CBD oil and If you don't know about CBD, CBD is something that you need in your life for so many different reasons. I personally use Ned CBD as a sleep aid because I have pretty bad insomnia. I feel like a lot of you guys know that. It's also a great anti-inflammatory product. It can be used as a natural pain reliever. It can be used to treat anxiety and PTSD and also to treat depression. And it has a rich source of antioxidants. So. The only other ingredient in Ned's CBD oil is non-GMO MCT oil. So it's as natural as you could possibly imagine. What sets them apart from other CBD brands is that they infuse their product with loving thoughts and kind words when they're making it and packaging it, which I think is something that you can feel when you receive a product energetically. It has positive affirmations in it. It makes you feel really good. They only extract from hemp flowers, otherwise known as buds, where many other products on the market are often extracted from the stalks and seeds of the hemp plant, which actually lack the beautiful features of the flower. So that's another thing that makes it really special. There's absolutely no THC in Ned products, so it can't get you high. If you do want to get high, no judgment from me, but this product is not for that. Um, This product is for helping you sleep, relax, get uninflamed, anti-inflammatory, all those good things. So you can go to helloned.com slash balanced to get 15% off today, also with free shipping and use the code balanced at checkout. So that's helloned.com slash balanced. Use that code balanced at checkout and You can also find that link in the show notes. That will get you 15% off with free shipping. Thank you, Ned, for supporting the show. CBD oil is life. And I know Jonathan agrees with me. We're huge fans of CBD and of Ned. So check them out, guys. And I hope you enjoy. So now we'll dive back into the episode and we'll talk about the money and abundance aspect of where I was in my journey. 
I kind of left off with the money talk around when my parents and family lost a lot of money and I was in a position of having zero dollars to my name. And when I started blogging, I really wasn't getting any help from my family, but I knew and I just had this deep inner knowing that what I was creating was going to turn into something. And I didn't know if it was going to be the clothing line or working with brands or my cleanse programs or what it was that was going to be my moneymaker. But I really wasn't concerned because I was just doing what I was passionate about. And like I said, I wasn't afraid of failure because to me, pursuing my blog full-time no matter what happened financially, was the opposite of failure. And because of manifestation and everything I've learned about manifesting and intuition over the last few years, I realize that lack of fear is what enabled me to have this abundance flow to me so fully and so beautifully. And it's the same way now where I will spend money in a certain way that other people might be like, why? Why do you go to the most expensive grocery store, Air One, every day or three times a day and spend your money that way? That's not respectful to money, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying anyone has said that to me. I'm just saying like I've heard things of the sort. I still believe like I have I don't have these fears and blocks around money because I've always respected it so deeply and believed that when I'm doing what I'm passionate about and pouring the energy into it and actually sharing something with the world that's of value, finances will come and there will be months where they are slow. There will be months where they are booming, but I'm just not worried about it. And so spending money on things that are important to me and treating myself to healthy food and mostly like everything I spend money on is is either food or health related, like exercise or supplements or medication and lots and lots of healthy food and supplements and superfoods. So I think that not having those fears and blocks around money was kind of my gift from the beginning and continues to be a gift to me now. So I can vividly remember when I had first moved back to LA and my parents were kind of helping me with my accounting, which they still do. My family's very involved in my business or in my brand. And my mom had said to me, you have less than $2,000 in your account. Your rent is due next month. How are you going to pay your rent? And I remember just saying to her, I'm not worried about it. I'm just not worried about it. And it wasn't even this, it wasn't even a naive approach at that point. It was just a knowing that this greater force was guiding me and was pulling me through and was protecting me. And whatever you want to call that force, I call it the universe. You could call it God. You could call it karma. You could call it your intuition. You could call it your higher self. The universe, my higher self was speaking to me and was sharing with me. You have nothing to worry about you're still sharing your heart with the world. You're putting out valuable content seven days a week and things are coming. Things are flowing. So it was true. Things were flowing my way. And in this industry, brands might pay you 90 days late. It's like a net 90 situation. So 90 days after you've created content for them and posted it and 
So I knew, although I had $2,000 to my name total and I had to pay my rent, which was more than that, living in LA in a one bedroom, that money got deposited into my account from the brands and the perfect timing and things continued to flow. So if you have that belief that the universe is guiding you and the universe always has you and will carry you through, you really can't go wrong. And if the universe had been telling me or my intuition was telling me, you know what? Like this is this is an unsafe situation. You're not going to be able to pay your rent. You should be anxious. Then I would have developed anxiety and I would have gone out and gotten a side job or told my sister, I want to babysit your kids five days a week. Like I need help. And I believe that the universe would have provided for me whatever it was that I needed in that exact situation. So I hope that you can take my advice and what I'm sharing here, not as me telling you to neglect side jobs and to blindly trust and blindly thrust forward when you're in a position where you might not be able to pay your rent. But I'm also telling you that you are powerful and you can manifest what it is that you need. So if it's a side job that you need, you can manifest that. And what it takes is drawing inward and asking yourself, what does that look like? And what do I need to give myself? And how can I help myself get there? So for me at that time, I was doing a ton of yoga. Yoga was my meditation. And I was able to think about these things and meditate on them every single day. And I did have this inner knowing. And I also saw just from beyond manifesting, I saw from a business perspective and being a part of this blogging world where blogging was going. And I saw that at the time, the manager that I was with, we had a ton of inquiries coming in and partnerships can take a long time to build. Sometimes a brand will want to work with you as a blogger at first without paying you and then kind of see how it goes and then pay you, especially at that time when I was a newer blogger and a younger blogger, and I wasn't really wanting to rely on my blog for crazy amounts of income because I didn't want to oversaturate my audience with brands and advertisements and all of that stuff. So I trusted and I saw, I saw where it was going and every month just started having more money in my account. Next month came it wasn't 2000 it was 4000 the next month came it wasn't 4000 it was 6000 the next month came it wasn't 6000 it was 10000 and i'm just kind of guessing on some of these numbers but i remember with every passing month i had less and less anxiety and my mom who was looking out for me had less and less anxiety too because i kept telling my mom i promise you because I see this so clearly and I'm going to bring this to life. I'm just going to manifest it. By the end of the year, I'm going to have six figures in my savings account. And I remember my mom and my dad both telling me, that's an interesting goal because of where you are right now. And I don't know if that, if you know, and like you have to pay your taxes. And this is the way my dad thinks. My dad is much more realist and I call him a pessimist, but I like to make fun of him and call him a pessimist. He's really a real realist. He would tell me, even if you have six figures in your in your bank account by the end of the year, that doesn't mean you actually have six figures because you're going to have to pay your taxes. And I would tell him, I don't care. It's not really about having six figures after I pay my taxes. To me, 
I want to manifest having six figures by the end of the year, by January 1st, even if like that money goes to taxes and rent and other things. I just want to prove this to myself and make it happen. So I did. And by the end of the year, that's exactly what happened. And my dad loves to remind me that after I paid my taxes, I no longer had six figures. But I love to remind him that before I paid my taxes, I did. And that's all I was really looking to do at that time. And I did that by continuing to put my all into everything I was doing and trying to look 10 steps ahead when it came to blogging. So I saw, okay, my clothing line is basically losing me money at this point. And if I still felt deeply passionate about sharing that clothing with the world and I felt like it was impacting people's lives and really making them incredibly happy and make them feel better about themselves and their bodies, I would continue doing it. But that's not what I saw. I actually saw the opposite. I saw that we couldn't keep up with our demand. We couldn't keep up with additional sizing. I mean, I wanted to be a size inclusive brand if we continued to produce clothing and we didn't have the means really amongst our clothing line to have all the different sizes, extra, extra smalls, extra, extra larges. Like it wasn't really working for us with our inventory and I wasn't feeling good about that. So I also saw if I close down the clothing line, I can create something where this industry is going and where this kind of niche of blogging is going because blogging itself is still a niche. And that's why I kind of like feel when people ask me, should I be super niche about my blog? Like the truth is blogging is niche. So if you're yourself, you're doing enough. Like if you're sharing from your heart, you are doing enough because you probably have interests that span what other people are interested in too. For me, wellness and spirituality encompasses so much. And if I tried to limit what I was sharing to only food or only self-care or only Ayurveda, Ayurvedic treatments, I wouldn't be talking about so many things that I desperately love to talk about. So I listened to my gut. I listened to my intuition. I closed down my clothing line and that was a hard decision. I felt like it was a part of my identity, just like I had felt previously like veganism was part of my identity. But I also knew if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. And if I don't do this, I'm not going to be creating the highest good for my community. And I'm also just going to keep running myself into the ground in a way that I really don't want to. So I did that. That's when I started the podcast. And that, I believe, is when things started to open up for me in a business way, in a really huge way, because I had never been diehard passionate about creating photo content for brands on Instagram. I felt like at times I was doing too much of it and I felt like my audience wasn't responding as well to that. And I also felt like with my management company at the time, I was saying yes to things that maybe I didn't think were a good fit, but other people on my team saw as a good fit. So I worked with a couple of brands that really were not on brand or in alignment with me and my passions. And I learned pretty quickly how shitty that feels when your audience calls you out and tells you like, you don't take NyQuil. What are you talking about? Um, for example. So I realized I don't really want to be saturating my Instagram with branded 
posts, but I do absolutely love that I'm financially independent and that I'm far exceeding what I believed or what other people in my life believed I could accomplish at this point with just being just being a blogger, but just taking this entrepreneurial road, leaving school unexpectedly and doing this impromptu thing. Um, that none of us knew anything about at the time. So from there, I decided to start the podcast. I saw some other bloggers in the space starting podcasts and I realized it was so fun to get to know them through their voice and not just through their writing. And I decided that this is something that I would like to be doing as well. So even though I I did have some fears and blocks to get through to start a podcast... And I'll tell you what some of those are. For my whole adult life, starting in high school, people have pointed out to me that my voice is very Valley Girl, very California. And I even had teachers in high school like completely make fun of me and call me out for the way that I speak or if I say something intelligent, but it doesn't sound intelligent because maybe I have a Valley Girl voice. That was always incredibly hurtful to me and really impacted my confidence as a young woman with what I had to share with the world. And it kind of, in some situations, made me more quiet and I felt like I could express myself better through writing because I really didn't want people to laugh at the way that I was talking or really form an opinion about me that way at all. Because I had been totally burned and had been in so many situations in high school where people were just very mean about about my voice. So starting a podcast was scary for me because of course, it's all audio. You're putting yourself out there only by voice. And my first 10 or 20 episodes, I was really wrestling with that and and had a lot to get through with that. And now I feel like it was the best thing I could have ever done for my confidence to start a podcast because it kind of unsilenced me, if that makes sense, in ways that I really felt a lot less confident because of what had been said to me about my voice in the past. I now felt like, you know what? just like blogging, just like writing, just like social media, if people don't like something about me, they don't have to be here. And if they want to say something mean about me, that's fine because my content is not for everyone and it's not going to resonate with everyone. And that's totally okay. That said, people who are meant to be here and people who are meant to be impacted by my content, you guys probably like my voice and don't mind at all what it sounds like. And now I'm constantly told that my voice is soothing and people love listening to my voice and it helps calm them. That's like the biggest compliment that could ever be given to me. And then I went through a whole other thing with my voice when I got sick with Lyme because I had no energy to speak. So that was, oh, that's a whole journey in itself. But back to the conversation of money and manifesting. I feel like the podcast is something that I manifested into my life because I told the universe in multiple different ways, I want to diversify my portfolio and I want to be able to make money creating content that provides value to people without having to get in front of the camera and without having to oversaturate my Instagram and without ever having to work with a brand that doesn't feel 1000% aligned 
with my mission and also without ever having to work with a brand that is unkind or disrespectful to me. Because as as a young blogger, that happened a lot. Like I was totally pushed around by brands. And I feel like this is just something that happens in the blogging world. Sometimes a brand will work with you, nothing against them, but they'll think that you as a blogger are like this corporation with like a team of a hundred. And often it's just us, like maybe us and an assistant or us and a manager or something like that. And that was something that I really had to work past to understand that part of what was making me unhappy earlier in my career was that I was working with brands who did not fulfill my soul because they were not kind. So every brand you hear on this podcast from Hum Nutrition to Four Sigmatic to Ned to Gem to silver fern to every brand in between. I have a very close relationship with them. I love them. I think they're kind people who deserve to have their brand and message and product shared with the world. And I similarly feel that way about you guys. You guys are incredible people who deserve to hear about brands that are going to change your life if you're interested in them. So it just gives me so much more purpose. And I mentioned this in this episode because I feel like when we are purpose-driven, we succeed. And when I was creating from a place of kind of like floundering around and working with a few brands that weren't really up my alley and like, you know, brands like NyQuil or anything else that is big pharma-based I was not creating from a place of purpose. I was creating more from a place of, I was young and I was learning and I was really proud of myself for making money and being financially independent and exceeding my own expectations. And I have a very creative mind. So I would be like, oh, that brand? Yes, I can incorporate them. Oh, that brand? Oh, I'm sure I can figure out how to work that into my content because I am creative first and foremost. That's like my my main go-to in my own brain for how I can make things work. And I think all of us entrepreneurs are creative and we find creative solutions to all sorts of issues that pop up. So I learned that part of having a successful brand and making money in a way that produces longevity is to be really true to your purpose. And that's your brand's purpose, your mission, and your soul's purpose. So fast forward to now, I've had the podcast for two years and like four months. So that's like maybe two and a quarter years. And now I feel like I've really been able to diversify my brand. And I still feel like I've gotten to a new level of after taking a few months off this year, and being really sick with Lyme, I've realized like I, I still want to take it to another level of having to rely less on other brands, even the ones that I love, to provide my income. I want to be able to rely on myself and what I have to share with the world and my own offerings and things that I'm really proud of on my own. So that is why I will be creating courses for you guys. And I have the best feeling about it. And I'm so excited. And I just feel like 
this is where my soul's purpose is headed. And after doing ayahuasca, I could see so clearly that my soul is ready to share from like a really significant place. And I have felt for a while that I was growing out of relying on other brands as an entrepreneur to make a living. And I still love the idea of working with brands for fun because I have a lot of fun doing it, but I don't want to rely on it in the same way. So I'm really excited about now this next level of where my brand has taken me and all of this, this course, this is a complete manifestation that downloaded into my head when I was in Bali on a solo trip last year. And I didn't really think I would manifest a course into my head. What I wanted so desperately was to write a book because I still feel so tied to writing in the literary world and writing books and writing fiction and poetry. So what channeled into my head was this course. And it was such an obvious sign from the universe that was like, okay, it's time. It's time to get past those next fears and blocks and bring yourself to the next level. Because I, I, as you've heard in this story, I've never really had financial fears and blocks, but I do believe I have fears and blocks of getting to the next level of success because I've seen traumatic things happen. I've seen my family, for example, my dad be successful and then lose everything. But I also believe he can get everything back by creating from his heart and creating new things. And that's what he's doing. He's flipping houses now at the age of 73. And I'm very proud of him. And and it sets his soul on fire and it's good for his brain. And I wish that he could be retired like he deserves, but this is what we've been dealt in our lives, in my family's life. And I just really believe that we have to work with what we've been dealt. So... Now I'm working on getting past these fears and blocks to get to the next level of success, which is these courses, I believe. And I'll be working on that during my water fast and during the rest of this season of my life so that when this course flows out of me, I will have the answers to releasing those fears and blocks for you guys. But I wanted to share my journey here today, my journey with business, and money and abundance and coming from a place of having zero dollars to my name, but deciding I am going to blog full time because that's what makes me happy. And there's no such thing as failure in my mind because I can't fail if I'm creating from a place of deep, deep, deep truth and passion. And then getting to a place of like coasting along for several, several months to a year of making like a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars there, very freelance because blogging is very freelance to having a few thousand dollars in my bank account, but not enough to pay my rent to then really, truly believing that more was coming for me and just continuously working harder, rinsing and repeating, bringing it in. And getting to the point where then I made six figures in my third year of business and then told myself, well, next year, I want to double that. And then told myself the following year, I want to double that. And consistently every year, that's exactly what has happened. And it's cool because it's happened with really hard work and really crazy amounts of passion where I feel like I am in some way or another 
working and dedicated to my audience and you guys and creating content, definitely seven days a week, usually like from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed. But the other really cool thing is beyond the passion and the energy, I've been playing around with working less and less hard, if that makes sense. So still similar hours, similar energy output, but way less hard where like the things that I don't really like to do, I don't do anymore. And that's been really interesting. And so you would think with taking two months off last season, last winter, when I took two months off from my health, that maybe that would have meant that during that time or at the end of last year, I wouldn't have met my financial goals. It was actually quite the opposite. So I was putting so much energy and love into myself and my health, which is what I blog about. So that's content. That's for my brand, but it's mostly for my health above all. Instead of making less or getting into a place of financial stress, because of taking that downtime, but also putting consistent work in beforehand to my brand for the last six years, I actually had a steady income coming in that whole time from podcasting and from things that had been happening before I left that were paying out while I was gone. And it's really beautiful to see that hard work is important, but working hard is something different, I think, than hard work. Hard work is like, you love what you're doing. You have so much passion about it. You have the energy to, to throw into it full throttle. And it's such a beautiful thing. Working hard and like grinding and doing things that you may or may not feel very passionate about, but you're doing it because you feel like you should, or you have to, or you've been told that's the way to success. That is not necessary. And Energy, yes, like put the energy, put the love, put all of the love that your brand, your product, your project deserves. But the moment you feel like you really dislike what you're doing, reevaluate. And there was so much I didn't like doing anymore. Specifically, you guys will be interested to hear this if you haven't already noticed photo shoots. I, I started to really dislike professional photo shoots. And I love my photographers. I'm very good friends with all of them. But every time they would take pictures of me, especially while I was really, really, really sick with Lyme, I didn't like the pictures because I didn't really like the situation. I felt like I was taking myself out of the flow, working on the podcast, working on my writing, working on my poetry, working on my course ideas to take photos and have these like professional photos, but for what? For Instagram. And on my Instagram, my iPhone photos do better than my professional photos. And I think it's just because Instagram was made for instant gram, instant gramming. Like people want to see what are you up to? And some accounts have beautifully curated professional photography. That's their brand. But my brand has always been so much more in the moment. So all of a sudden doing these professional photo shoots felt really misaligned with my core of my brand and also my soul's purpose. So I kind of stopped doing them and I'll do them 
once in a blue moon if I feel inspired to do one or if I'm working with a brand that I really love that requires high-res photos, which is totally understandable. If I was a product developer, I would want high-res photos too from the bloggers I was working with. So I'll do them maybe like once a month, once every two months now, where before this was like a three times a week thing. And it was crushing my soul. And when you're doing things that are soul crushing, you cannot manifest from a place of true authenticity and realness. So I had a lot of blocks about like, what's going to happen if I stop doing these photo shoots? Am I even a real blogger anymore? Am I even someone who people will speak highly of my content? Like, will people unfollow me? And honestly, I detached from all of that and I look at my own inspirations on Instagram and beyond. And I follow people not because they have professional photos, but like, what are they sharing from their heart? Like, do I want to be up to date on their life? Yes, I do. So I'm going to follow them. If they have a professional photo, cool, beautiful. If they have an iPhone photo, awesome in the moment, like very inspired by that. So I think if we're creating from a place of inspiration, we really can't can't go wrong. And that's where I plan to continue to build my brand from here on out. So five years from now, I see myself and I'm working on breaking down my blocks and barriers around this. I see myself as a super successful, self-made, living on the beach in Malibu, author, speaker, course developer, spiritual teacher, and someone who lives from their heart. I also see myself being a mom and sharing a lot of that journey with you guys and being a very, very, very happy, happily married wife to Jonathan. And I see all of it. And I don't really think we have to hold ourselves back from having it all. I really don't. So I'm going to continue to create from that place that I've been talking about in this entire episode, which is we're always going to hit rock bottoms. I hit the deepest rock bottom of my entire life this year. Sorry, last year. Feels like this year when I was sick with Lyme. And one day I'll share with you guys just how dark that got for me and how I really didn't want to continue to live. Although I I knew I had a lot to live for. I didn't really know why I would continue to live if I was just going to lay in bed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I had to live through that rock bottom to alleviate the fear of even be able, being able to share a story like this with you guys. Because in the past, I would have feared judgment. Well, who am I to share this story? What if people think that I'm just some um, sheltered, spoiled, girl from Northern California who never really had to work hard until something really bad happened to her family. Well, you know what? If someone does think that, okay, like I've got to detach from what people think because people are always going to think what they're going to think. And it's always going to have a lot more to do with them than it has to do with me. And people who are meant to hear my story need to be here. And that's you guys. And we're all working on manifesting a greater and more successful and more abundant life for ourselves in so many ways and listening to our intuition and learning what that looks like. And ever since I started 
really giving my intuition the credit that it deserved and allowing myself to channel and intuitively download things into my journal and meditate and my sauna and all these different things, my life has opened up into like the greatest abundance that I could have ever imagined. And abundance goes so far beyond financial abundance. Like Jonathan and I say this every day. If we had nothing that we have right now, the nice apartment, the nice appliances, the travel, the proximity to his work, like me working from home, the ability to go to Erewhon every night. If all of that went away, we would be completely freaking fine because we have each other and we have Hudson and we are madly in love and the abundance that comes from being so ridiculously happy with your life and your person is so far beyond what any financial abundance could ever bring. And it's true what they say. I have seen some of the most miserable people I know are billionaires and people who I have grown up around and I mean really grown up around, like vacationed with and had extremely close contact with my whole life can have really unhappy personal lives, even if they seemingly have it all financially or on the outside. People with yachts and private jets and the most elaborate vacations. I have seen also what their personal lives look like and what you want to first achieve is abundance in your personal life and everything else flows from there. And we can also create from a place of rock bottom, like I'm saying. So it's all wrapped into one. And I really look forward to diving deeper into all of this with you guys and the courses that I have coming out, but also just in future conversations. I want to do a lot more solo episodes. Solo episodes definitely feed my soul. And when I came back from my time off and then I came back from my ayahuasca retreat, it became abundantly clear to me as I started listening back to some of my episodes that my solo episodes and then the episodes that I do with close, close friends are where I feel like my soul really shines and I'm living out my soul's purpose and I'm sharing with you guys in the way that I'm supposed to be. And I'm deeply inspired by some friends of mine who mostly do solo episodes like Sahara Rose, her amazing podcast, The Highest Self Podcast. She does a lot of solo episodes and really only has friends on. Jess Lively, which has been probably my favorite podcast to listen to since before I even had my own podcast. So I'll be moving in that direction. I would love to hear what you guys think about that. Feel free to send me a note at jordanatthebalancebond.com. And please tell me what you thought of this episode. I would just absolutely love to hear your thoughts because this is, this is an interesting shift in my life and working past my blocks and fears and being able to share about my journey and how I feel that I've come to the place that I have. and not having, just not having the fears and blocks that I've seen really impede other people from growing their own business. Not to say that I don't have fears and blocks about tons of other things in my life because I do. And we can always work on releasing more fears and more blocks in our lives to get to the next level. So that's something I'm excited to share with you guys too. 
Thank you for listening. If you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast and tell me what you think of solo episodes, please do so on iTunes and send me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancebond.com. I'll send you a free gift, which is my 400 page soul on fire yoga ebook. And it's all, it's really, it's for everyone. It's geared toward beginners, but you don't have to be a beginner to use it, of course. Um, so yeah, email that screenshot to Jordan at thebalancebond.com. I would really appreciate the love and join our soul on fire podcast tribe on Facebook to keep the conversation going. I'm going to be a lot more active in there lately, especially during my water fast. Cause I love to hang out with you guys in there. And also our chronic illness, high vibe, chronic Lyme and chronic illness tribe on Facebook, where you can also join and hang out there. Um, Thank you to our sponsors, Hum Nutrition. You can use the code SOUL at checkout for 20% off. And Ned CBD. You can go to helloned.com slash balanced for that. And I hope that you love it. Thank you guys. Let me know what you think of the idea of the course. And if you do want to get on the list to be the first to learn about this course as it comes out, and it's going to have so many cool components to it, and it's going to be really beautiful and so much more, um, email jane at thebalancedblonde.com and she'll put you on our list. And that'll be coming out in a few months at the perfect time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this style of episode. I really enjoyed recording it. I love you guys so much and I can't wait to talk more soon. Have a soul on fire day.